Uh, do we have any chosen fans in the room here? Okay, yes. Uh, season three? Yeah. There's an episode called Two by Two. And in that episode, Jesus is telling the 12 apostles, this bunch of like ragtag disciples, he's like, I'm going to send you out. And if you've read this story in Matthew 10, it's kind of like reads a bit matter of fact. It's like Jesus called them together. He's like, here's your instructions. You're going to go out. You're going to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to heal the sick. And then it says like they went. But when you watch The Chosen, you see the very human kind of side of this story. So if you can recall this scene from The Chosen, there's these disciples and Jesus is like, so here's what you're going to do. And they all look at him like this. And uh, he says, you know, there's people that need rescue. You're going to help me. And one of them goes, us? Like, you're sending us? Oh. One says, uh, I don't understand. I-, I don't understand. So he repeats himself. I'm sending you out. You're going to proclaim this. You're going to do that. And Matthew says, Could, one more time. Could you repeat that one more time? <laughs> Peter says, wait, how soon are we talking about here? <laughs> and then Nathaniel, he says, can you get back to the part where you said we're going to cast out demons? He says, did I miss a ceremony or something, you know, that would make us equipped for that? And then another one of the disciples objects, and he says, but we've only just begun as students. We are not qualified. And Jesus looks at them, and he says, if I needed qualified leaders and students, well, I wouldn't have chosen all of you here. Now, I wonder if any of you have ever felt that way. God has said something about you or prompted you to do something, and you're like... Me? No. I mean, surely you're mistaken. You must have meant somebody else. And we've had that same kind of deer in headlights response that the 12 apostles have. When you think about God using your life to make a direct difference in the life of someone in your life, a coworker or a neighbor or a family member, maybe you think, uh, me? I'm not competent enough. I'm not holy enough. I am not smart enough. I'm not eloquent enough, and you might feel like the least likely choice for God to call on. Wow, Steph. I didn't know we were bringing up all of my trigger words today. but uh, So that feeling of inadequacy really describes everything I was feeling about five years ago. So I remember sitting in the 25th anniversary service, so in church, or in uh, Connect Lingo, that would be their birthday Sunday, um, of the first church my late father-in-law planted. And I began to sense that God was stirring in my heart. I was listening to my mother-in-law, Kathy, uh, sharing about the impact of the ministry of the church for, um, that they had, uh, that was over two and a half decades long. Lives were changing, people had decided to follow Jesus, and families were being saved. And it all began because God had called them to follow him, and they said yes. As I sat in the church service, I knew God was calling us. So that same afternoon, I was at Sam Ludovica's uh, wedding shower, and Amber came up to me, and she said, hey, Steph, I I think that you and Mike are going to be leading a church. (laughs) And I said, have you met my husband? Uh, I just could not imagine Mike ever saying yes to that. Uh, Mike likes predictable things. He likes uh, knowing what he's doing. He likes having a plan, uh, you know, predictability, all these kinds of things. And I'm just thinking, like, Mike would never, like, in a million years, like, say yes to that. So a year earlier, when God had kind of began planting that in my heart, I I kind of thought I was off the hook because there was just no way. (laughs) There was no way Mike would ever say yes to that. So I smiled and nodded at Amber, and I was like, okay, sure, yeah, that sounds good. 
Um, but of course, with her crazy faith level of confidence that we all know and love, she looked at me and she said, and not just you, she said, you and Mike together. So when I picked her up um, after that service, I had said to her, I think God is calling us to plant a church. And I looked like the apostles in the chosen. I was like, um, what? I'm sorry. Can you say that again? And I, I was like, I just never in a million years thought that he would call us uh, together. So I, I began kind of the process of like unpacking all of that, what God has kind of called us to. And with Steph and with God, and, and I just had so many feelings of doubt. And the enemy kept whispering, you're not good enough. You're not educated enough. You're not outgoing enough. And I just been I just been promoted to my foreman role and everything that we were going through it just seemed like it was already overwhelming and then we we're gonna do a church plant like it just seemed impossible so I just kept thinking man I'm just a trades guy I'm not seminary trained and anyone who heard my five for five you guys might remember I have a few abandonment issues and a few deep fears of rejection so um I wonder if you guys have ever felt that similar feeling or heard similar thoughts from God um, when God has invited you to partner with him. Maybe God's kind of prompted you, like, I want you to invite that friend to church. And you're like, I, I just started coming. Like, I'm not, you know, I haven't been here long enough. Um, maybe God's prompted you, like, I want you to pray for that person. And you're like, I, I don't know the words. Words are hard. And uh, when they come out loud, they're even harder. And, and they don't sound strung together well. And I'm not eloquent enough to pray for somebody out loud. Maybe God has called you to share your story. And you're just like, mm, can, I, can I edit it a bit? Just leave some of that stuff out? Because um, it's, it's too messy. It's too broken. Maybe God's calling you, like, I want you to, to share scripture. I want you to teach the Bible. And you're like, I'm not wise enough. I don't know what this means. Like, there's a lot of words I can't pronounce and, you know, all the things. And, or maybe he's asked you to, you know, get to know someone that is out of your comfort zone, you know, in your neighborhood or in your workplace. And you're like, I'm not exactly, like, like, smooth when it comes to talking to people. Like, what do you want me to say, God? Like, hi, do you want to be friends? <laughs> do you want to go for coffee? You know, like, I don't know how to talk without being weird. So we have all these objections and you can insert whatever your objection would be. But often when the Holy Spirit is inviting us to partner with him in something, we have an objection. I'm not blank enough, whatever that is. What would yours be? Think about that. I'm not blank enough for God to use. Well, today we've got some good news for you or some terrifying news, depending on how <laughs> you want to look at that. <laughs> So today we want to talk, um, t talk to you guys about the least likely. So God's type, the ones that he calls and he uses. Mm -hmm. So if you guys have your Bibles, if you have your phones, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 30. So to give you guys a little bit of context about 1 Corinthians, this is a letter uh, wrote by Paul uh, to the church of Corinth to address the problems they were having through the lens of the gospel. So the first problem addressed in... Oh, sorry, the first problem addressed is the division. So they were experiencing, uh, they kept having these allegiances to earthly leaders as opposed to Jesus. So in chapter one, Paul was reminding them that what they had in common and the reason for the unity that they needed. So let's read uh, together verse 26. So remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. So let's look at this for a minute. Because Paul's saying, hey, don't forget who you were. 
don't forget what I saved you from. He's saying, you were not wise in the world's eyes. When you think about wisdom, when you think about like, who's that person when you're like, man, I just don't know what to do right now. I'm going to call so-and-so. They always, you know, have a Bible verse and they always seem to know like how to put it uh, into action. Paul's saying, yeah, that's not you. Not you. You were not wise in the world's eyes. You didn't have that going for you when God called you. The second thing he says is, he says, not many of you were powerful. And that means to be like mighty, you know, to have influence, to have ability, to be able, to be able to excel. And this is where we get the, the Greek, um, the word is. We've been practicing a lot of Greek this week as we unpack this. So if you guys can say this with me, dunatos. 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 That's the word for power. And it's the same word we get the word dynamite from. So if you're like a powerful person, you have the ability to make things happen, you know, to impact. And Paul's saying, yeah, no, that wasn't, you didn't have that. You weren't a powerful person. Not only were you not wise, you weren't powerful. And he says, not many of you were wealthy or not many of you were of noble birth. So it's like, you guys weren't a bunch of somebodies, you know, that people knew, you were reputable. Like you guys were not noble. He's saying, no, when you were called by God, you were none of these things. So what is this call that Paul is referring to when he says, when you were called? So it's not something reserved for professionals or the super spiritual. Mm -hmm. According to Paul, there would be none who classified as wealthy, mm -hmm. powerful, or wise from God's point of view. Mm -hmm. The HCSB study Bible describes this call in this way. The invitation from the Lord himself to enter a personal and intimate fellowship with him. This call is not based on your intellectual attainment, wisdom, or position or status, but strictly on his grace. God only has one type of person he calls into a personal and intimate relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Point number one, God calls and uses ordinary people. Yeah. This is the only kind. Like, raise your hand if you're like, I could get behind that. I feel ordinary, <laughs> right? Like, I, I wasn't, like, super special, super rich, super powerful, and these are the kinds of people God calls. And I want to just, just park on this for a second because sometimes that word calling can feel a bit scary. We're like, you're called, and, you know, I'm not called, but this person, you know, is called. God's saying, no, 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 you're all called. You're called into relationship with me. You're called to have fellowship with me. You're called to be in Christ. And out of that is where, you know, any of this other life stuff kind of comes from. So I spent the last two and a half years writing my dad's story. Now he passed away in 2009. And I have to say, the more I wrote his story, the more convinced I was of this scripture. Um, my dad was born in the Philippines. Anyone here born in the Philippines? Okay, so funny story. At nine, in the 9.30, I said, is anyone from the Philippines? And there were crickets. And then I said, it's because they're all coming to the late service. <laughs> right? <laughs> they're like, they're all coming to the late service. They're here. And so, of course, he had, my dad had a share of struggles before he immigrated to Vancouver. He was in his late 20s, and it was 1974. He worked as a mechanic. Uh, he and my mom got married, and they had lots of challenges. Anyone who's married knows that. And then my mom encountered God in her living room in a really powerful way. And then they had more challenges because <laughs> now she was like, he, he said to her, like, how long is this Jesus thing going to last? You know, and she said, I don't know, but he's still here. And for 15 months, my mom saw no sign that God was at work in his life there, you know, and God kept, you know, making these like little promises along the way. But from where she was standing, it just looked like he's never going to get saved. It's never going to change. Like nothing's ever going to happen. And yet 15 months later, uh, my dad finally gave his life to Jesus, and he had a pretty radical transformation. My mom uh, says that people would say, what happened to Jesse? Like, 
what happened to him? And she said for a, for a while she stopped calling him babe and she started calling him new creation because this, this <laughs> encounter he had with Jesus was so, so powerful. And so I was four months old at that time, so I don't have any of these pre-Jesus like recollections. I just knew my parents as these like really Christian people. So now I'm in my 30s, I'm like writing this book and I'm processing this story as an adult and as a parent and as a follower of Christ and I'm like, wow, you guys were young, like young in your finch. My mom's like, oh yeah, we didn't, we didn't know what we were doing at all. Um, when my dad had been a believer for, for like a month, so one month old believer, 37 years old, and one day he's working as a mechanic and these coworkers start bantering back and forth about, oh, if there was a Bible study here, you wouldn't come or you wouldn't come either. And all of a sudden, before my dad can intervene, there's a sign on the break room um, wall and it says, Bible study Friday morning, 6 a.m., Jesse's bringing donuts. And he's like, uh, I don't know how to lead a Bible study. So he goes home to my mom and he's like, I'm going to need your help. And he's like, cause, and she's like, I don't know, I'm new at this too. You better go talk to the pastor. So, you know, a week later, he's carrying a stack of New Testaments the pastor gave him and some sort of outline from the book of Romans and donuts. And he's like, I, uh, I have no idea what I am doing. But God used that. So I'm doing the math and I'm like, this wasn't very much time. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I have to be walking with God for a long time, you know, for God to use me. Or I have to be, you know, like at this thing for a while. Or I have to kind of get my feet under me before God can use me. And I'm reading this and I'm like, Wow, you, like, he knew nothing, nothing other than the power of Christ that had saved him. So I'm you know, talking to my mom, and I'm like, wait, so dad was like a baby believer when he felt called into ministry? Like, did you guys even know what ministry was? You know, when you felt called, and she's like, not really. You know, just that God was calling us. My parents, you know, according to like what Paul said here, noble, powerful, wise, they were, they were none of those things. You know, sometimes if you, if you think of noble or like rich heritage, um, some of you are probably like the first believer in your family. And you're like, I, there's no one modeling this for me. I don't really know what it looks like. And, and that was them. You know, Mike and I just came back from a missions conference in Alabama. And it was like, my great, 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 great granddaddy planted this, you know, this church in 1829. And like my parents followed Jesus and their parents followed Jesus. And, you know, and sometimes you're just like, that's so great for you. And that's amazing. And I bless that. But I just don't relate to that at all. It's not like it's in my bones and it's in my DNA. But you know what? If, if you are in Christ, you have new DNA. And you don't have to be of a rich spiritual heritage in order to live a rich spiritual life. They were not noble. They were not of this rich heritage yet. God called them. So again, I'm writing, I'm processing, and I'm like, wait, so when you moved our family from Richmond to Cochrane for seminary, like, my dad's faith was as old as my youngest child. She's almost three. And I'm like, that's just not very old. Like, it's not very far along. He was not powerful. Like, if you look at Evie, you're like, you're not like, it's a powerful individual. It looks like she's three. She still needs help to do a lot of, you know, things that adults do for themselves. Not powerful. My dad was 37. He had not finished post-secondary education. He'd worked as a mechanic. And he was headed to seminary. Now, if you've ever been out of school for any amount of time and then you go back, you're like, what? Like, my, my daughter the other day was like, can you help me with long division? And I was like, maybe. Maybe I can. But it's been a while. I'm not really sure. My dad was not wise. He's like, I, it's been a while. Yet, after writing, spending time writing the story and reading the scripture, I'm like, this is true. Like, this is true. God calls and chooses and uses ordinary people because that's the only kind that there is. Mm -hmm. 
So picking back up in verse 27. So verse 27. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considered important. Verse 29. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Not only were we not wise, not powerful, and not noble, God, or sorry, Paul says God chose the ordinary people for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Things the world considered foolish, so the Greek word moros almost sounds a little bit like moron, or uh, Strong's definition of actual, literally blockhead is what they said. So foolish, <laughs> somebody who is blockhead. God chose the blockhead. That's right. Um, things that were powerless. Uh, So feeble, sick, without any strength, despised of this world. So insignificant, the nots, or um, yeah, not the best or the brightest. The question then is why? So our point number two is God chooses, uh, choices are on purpose. It says there in verse 29, as a result, no one can ever boast. There's nobody that God calls into relationship with him that has bragging rights. There's no one that's like, I was such a good draft pick for God. (laughs) Have you seen my Sunday school record? (laughs) Have you seen all those Bible verses I memorized? Have you, you know, he's like, none of you can brag because you were all saved from the same thing. You were all dead in your sins, in your transgressions. And that's what God called you from. A couple years ago, I was chatting with a, a woman and she kind of maybe only seen my life you know, from a bit of a distance, and she said something foolish like, I'm so impressed by you, Stephanie. And I just laughed, and I said, um, the more you get to know me, the more impressed you will be with God. <laughs> and she goes, no. And I said, yeah. Like, yeah. Now, you might be like, well, how? Like, how? I don't know if you've ever gotten glimpses, you know, times where you've maybe gotten a little bit out of step with the Spirit, and you've seen what your flesh has in it and what you could be capable of. Maybe you've become more aware of the lies that you're so easily deceived by, like again and again and again. Maybe you have seen how you allow the feelings of shame to influence your actions and your decisions. Or you know your propensity to wander like a sheep that Dan's been talking to us about for the last couple weeks, where you're like, I'm following Jesus, squirrel. Over here, you're like, I know me. And so I know that if you get to know me more, you'll be like, wow, God is really good. He's really, really good. My mom uh, said to me when we were writing, the, when I was writing this book, she goes, Stephanie, I'm just not sure what ditch our family would be in if it wasn't for Jesus. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. But when I wrote the book, I was like, oh, you're not kidding. Like, you're really, really, really not kidding. The more we get to know ourselves, the more we get to know people, the more impressed we should be by the grace of God. Because he knew all of this about us. You know, like sometimes we surprise ourselves. We're like, I didn't think that I would do that or think that or be tempted by that. And God's like, I did. I knew all of that when I called you. You know, and for some of us, just that realization that you actually cannot surprise God is freeing. You know, to go like, oh, I'm like, you know, and he's not like, Kim. Amber, he's like, I know, and I love you, and I forgave you, and I've called you into a relationship with me, and you cannot surprise me. So going back to our text, uh, verse 30, 
God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he has freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Mm -hmm. Point number three here. So God uses lives that will put his glory on display so that we can boast only about the Lord. Mm -hmm. So God's basically saying, like, who do you, whose life will best put who I am on a billboard for other people to know what I do for people and how I call them and how I use them? A Filipino immigrant mechanic doesn't have much to boast about. But a Filipino immigrant mechanic who's had a life-changing encounter with God, who's been set free, does. Now... I'm not here to, to boast because God took my dad who was a mechanic and made him into a pastor. That's not the boast. Look back at verse 26. Paul's saying, remember who you were. Remember who you were when God called you. But the good news is in verse 30, he's saying, that's not who you are now. Like, remember who you were. Remember when God called you. But he says now, he says, God has united you with Christ. Yeah. Think about that for a second. If you've read the Old Testament, if you've read like Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you know sin was very dangerous. If you had sin, to be in the presence of God was like, like don't go near the mountain because if you get close, God's holiness is going to strike you down. That's what happened to people in the Old Testament. Yet, here God's saying, I've united you with Christ. What does that tell us? That we have the Holy Spirit living in us? It says what Jesus did on that cross was enough. It says that this is actually true, that we are actually pure. We are actually holy if we are actually freed from sin because if we were not, the Holy Spirit couldn't live inside of us. He says, remember how you were foolish when God called you? Well, now that you're united with Christ and Christ is wisdom itself, what do you have access to now? Say it. Wisdom. Wisdom. James 2, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He gives it generously. So it's not like, well, I don't know what to do. Ask. He's saying, ask, because you already have it, because you're united with Christ. He says, remember how you were despised and you were insignificant? He says, now you're pure. Now you're holy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, this is the good news. This is what we get to tell people. This is what we have in Christ. He says, you were powerless. Remember how you were powerless? He says, now you're freed from sin. Free means you get to say no. Right? If we weren't free, we would just have to, we would have to give in to every single desire, every single temptation. He's saying, no, you've been set free. This doesn't define you anymore. <sighs> like, wow, God, like, really? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is amazing news. This is amazing news. This is the good news. Mm-hmm. So bringing back that, what she was just talking about, like, bringing it home. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer powerless, mm-hmm. foolish, mm-hmm. and despised. Now I'm united with Christ, accepted, loved, and restored by God. He is wisdom. That's who God says I am because of Christ. So now what? I can say yes to what he's calling me to do. So if he's calling us to plant a church, do something that feels bigger than us, not qualified, we can depend on him because we are united with Christ. We can ask him for his wisdom because God gave it to Christ, and Christ, the hope of, and the hope of glory, is in us. So he's not calling you to have everything that you think you need to do what he's called you to do. He's calling you to depend on him to give you everything that you need to do what he's calling you to do. 
So in 1989, my parents moved to Cochrane, Alberta, just outside Calgary, to go to the seminary. My dad had been a Christian for three years, my mom for five, and they started kind of by accident a church called uh, PhilCan, Filipino-Canadian Baptist Fellowship. Uh, it was like a Bible study that kind of accidentally grew. And on the first Sunday, they had a service. Someone, you know, they used to call my dad Brother Jesse, and then someone called him uh, Pastor. And he said, well, I guess if this is a church, then that makes me the pastor. That was his, <laughs> that was how he became a pastor, kind of by accident. <laughs> he pastored that church uh, for about 10 years before he experienced burnout and depression. And about a year later, after taking a sabbatical, God had restored him just fully and restored his passion for the lost and for sharing Jesus. And during that season, he began to feel the call to plant another church. And the area that God had put on, on their heart was the Simons Valley area. And in 2005, when this was, that area um, wasn't what it is today. It was very empty. And he knew, they knew that there was going to be 60,000 people moving into that part of the city and no visible churches in the area. So while construction was happening, they would just prayer walk those streets, pray for the people who were going to be moving into those areas just for God to intervene in their lives. That church, Simons Valley Community Church, became Pathway Church, which some of you have heard about. That was one of the recipients on Crazy Faith Sunday, and Pathway sort of helped um, connect it under their feet when they were starting, helped out with rent, and then Connect was able to kind of give back to them. So that's Pathway. And Pathway had to move out of that area because there was no places for public meeting. So then in 2008, my dad was diagnosed with ALS and he passed away about 15 months later. And about seven years ago, I remember my mom saying to me one day, she said, Steph, I think I have another church plant in me. But she said, but I can't do it by myself, <laughs> obviously. So at the time, Pathway was praying for dot seven. There was all these dots on the map that represented under uh, areas in the city that didn't have a lot of um, churches. And that dot seven was Evanston. And I was sitting in this business meeting and someone on our team, uh, who's actually now on our team for church planting in Airdrie, he said, well, it's like God would have to drop church planters like out of the sky. And if he dropped church planters out of the sky, our church could kind of like get behind them. But like nobody here wants to plant a church. So, you know, and, he, and it wasn't even a prayer. It's not like we were being super spiritual about it. He just said like, that's what would have to happen. Well, a couple of months later, guess who was sitting in the office at the CNBC in Cochrane? Dan and Amber Sueza. Uh, dropped out of the sky from Lakeland, Florida, who God had put Evanston in their hearts to plant a life-giving church that would tell people about life overflowing. And my mom said to me, I'm out. Like, I'm going with them. I'm going to plant this church with them. And here we are almost seven years later, and all of you are recipients and benefactors of their obedience and their response to God's call in their life to say yes to what he was calling them to do. Now you might be sitting there and thinking, okay, but what about me, Stephanie? I don't think I'm going to plant a church. I don't think I'm going to parachute in from some other place. Like what, what does this actually, how does this work in my life? Well, the first thing I want to ask you is have you accepted the call to relationship with God? One of the primary things that keeps us from saying yes to God is we go, well, I just have to get this sorted out. I have to get this part of my life cleaned up a bit. I, I just, you know, I've got this family stuff happening or I don't, you know, and once I get all these things, then I'll come to God and, you know, then, then we can get started. And God's saying, no, no, no. I want you to come powerless. I want you to come in your weakness. I want you to come despised and poor. And I want you to receive what I have for you in Christ. 
to do that, we have to be willing to accept that. And for some of us, it's like, well, obviously, I already knew that about myself. And some of us, that, that bristles. We're like, well, I don't want to be weak. But that's how we have to come. We come like a child to God if we want to receive this gift of salvation, this union with Christ. So if you've never received that call, you've never responded and said yes. You know, a gift is a funny thing. Um, somebody could offer something to you, but until you, you take it from their hands and you kind of like unwrap it, it doesn't become yours. And this gift that God has given to us through Christ, he's saying, this is yours, but you have to receive it. So if you want to receive it this morning, I want to invite you just to pray with me right now. There's nothing magical in the words that I'm going to say. Um, I'm just going to try to put some words to maybe what you are feeling in your heart right now. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm weak, powerless, and I need Jesus to save me from my sins and to set me free. I believe you lived and died and rose from the grave and that you want to save me and you want to come and lead my life. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my life and lead me in a brand new way. In Jesus' name, amen. The second invitation I have for you this morning is to believe that that new identity actually comes to, with an invitation to be involved in somebody else's story. Uh, a few months ago this fall, I was standing out in the lobby and I saw Brody. Brody told me I could share this story. And he had that I'm new to church look on his, where he's like, just like, where do I go? And like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And that's like my favorite kind of face at church. I'm like, I want to be friends with that person who's like, where's the door? And I just felt like God was kind of nudging me and just like, oh, just, just go say hi. So I just said, hey, I'm Stephanie. It's like I'm Brody. And I was like, okay. A couple weeks later, I was sitting right there in that open row in the back and Brody was sitting there and I just felt like the Holy Spirit just said, just go ask him his story. I was like, okay. You know, at the beginning where you're like, I sound weird sometimes, but that's okay. We just, we do what God tells us to do. So I just kind of sat down and Brody just began to share his story with me. And I just began to get that sense, like God is at work in this person's life. And so I think we went out to the lobby and Tyler, I think, was the single prayer team that day. And I just called him over and I was like, hey, Tyler, like, can just come, let's pray for Brody. And I think actually connect, I think they posted this photo this last week or just yesterday on, on Instagram. And we prayed for Brody and Brody shared that he'd just really been struggling with depression and he just had this like heavy cloud over his mind all the time. And so we just prayed and we just prayed as we felt God lead us. And, you know, after he's just like, whoa, like, I just, <laughs> I don't really know how to put into words, like, what just happened there. And I just said, God, like, God sees you. Um, I had shared with him the message I shared with you this morning. This is how you can have a relationship with God. And he's like, well, think about it. And on October 20th, which just so happened to be my birthday, I got a text from Brody. And it said, I just wanted to let you know that I prayed that prayer. And... And I just said, this is amazing. Like, this is the best birthday gift ever. And I said, like, tell me more. And he goes, I was just by myself in a dirty construction trailer. And I decided that I didn't want to do it alone anymore. And that I, I didn't have to. And I was just like, yes, God, God. Like, you're so amazing. Like, you don't have to plant a church to be part of what God's doing in someone else's life. All you have to do is listen for when the Holy Spirit's like, See that person or go and you're like what are you gonna say just go i will give you the words just go and when you go when you say yes when you give god you just have my advanced yes 
I don't know what you're going to ask me to do. <laughs> and I don't know if it's going to, actually, I can pretty much guarantee you it's going to feel uncomfortable sometimes <laughs> or all the time. Yeah. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. Like being part of what God is doing in other people's lives. I mean, there's just nothing like it. So my challenge to you is to give God, if you never have, give him your advanced yes. Yes, you can use me. Yes, you can use me in my workplace. You can use me in my neighborhood. God, because, like, because of what you've done for me, it's not if I'm going to say yes to you, it's like how and when and where. Right? He's freed you from sin. He's forgiven you. He's given you this new life. And he's like, now come be a part of giving other people that life overflowing. And all he needs is your yes. So we want to leave you with this last thought. When we look at the early church and every other Jesus movement that has had significant impact throughout history, we, have that, we see that everyone is regarded as a significant agent of the king, and he is encouraged to find their place in the unfolding of the movement. In other words, on the team that Jesus assembled, everyone gets to play. In fact, everyone must play. When the least likely say yes to God, he gets the greatest glory. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, you called us when we were powerless and weak. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't climb out of the pits that we were in with sin. And yet, you came down from heaven. You made yourself like us in human flesh so you would know what it's like, the struggles we face, the temptations. And you live the perfect life. And you died an innocent death so that we could be united to God. We could have peace so that we could have life overflowing. Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would activate gifts in this room. Every single follower of Christ has been given a gift. And Lord, you want us to use those gifts. You want us to partner with you. And you want us to be part of other people's stories. You want to use little old us, ordinary people, in order to bring glory to you. So, Father, I pray that today in this room, there would be lots of advanced yeses. Yeses with no strings attached. Yeses without knowing the plan and the means and the timeline or how you're going to call us and use us, God. But we would just say, I'm here. Send me. I'm yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.